Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my friend who talks to animals, even though everyone thinks he's crazy, because he is Palmer. How are you today? I am good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Just fine. Yeah, I can talk to animals. I can walk with animals. You can sing with the animals, except you can't because you're Rex Harrison. Yeah. All right. And we are looking at 1968's Best Picture nominees. They are Bonnie and Clyde, Dr. Doolittle, not the Eddie Murphy one. (laughs) I'm glad that you had to spell that out. Yeah. In the Heat of the Night, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and The Graduate. Do you know what won Best Picture? Uh, I don't. And... I don't know. I'm going to go guess who's coming to dinner. Good guess. Uh, that is incorrect. Um, really? Yeah. It, it, um, but um, you were close because it's the other Sydney Poitier movie. In it's the heat of the in night. In the heat of the night. Okay. In the heat of the night, Sydney will be there. That was be not there. the theme. <laughs> in the heat of the night, he's Poitier. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway. So uh, yeah, it was in the heat of the night. Also surprised me. Um. When I looked up to before uh, looked it up before I started watching all these movies, we're going to start with Bonnie and Clyde, uh, directed by Arthur Penn, written by David Newman and Robert Benton, starring Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway, Michael J. Pollard, Gene Hackman, Estelle Parsons, and the on-screen debut of Gene Wilder. Yes. Wow. For some reason, when you were listing off cast, yeah, I thought. When you said Gene Hackman, you meant Gene Wilder? Nope. So I'm like, man, he really bumped him up from his two scenes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nope, I didn't. It was Gene Hackman, the guy who had five scenes. Yep. All right. No, he had more than that. He did. What a guy. All right. So Bonnie and Clyde tells the story of Bonnie and Clyde, who were two young ragamuffins who got together and robbed some banks and and let the police on a merry chase until they were brutally gunned down by the police. Yeah, I wouldn't say brutal. Well, at least the, the film. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were shot like 22 times or something like that in real life. I, I can't remember right. the exact, but it's like an obscene number of times, like. One bullet usually kills people. Well, apparently not. They've tried firing lots of bullets at them throughout this entire movie. This is true. They're they're worse shots than stormtroopers. Yeah. Um. So so, I had never I had never seen all of Bonnie and Clyde for whatever reason. I know who Bonnie and Clyde are, but I yeah. always confuse Bonnie and Clyde with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. No. I don't know why. They're not even like that similar of a story. Not even close. Not even. They're both movies. One. And there's a car in them. One is a um, team of a man and woman. Yep. The other is not. Yep. That is correct. But you know what? I don't care. Well, my brain doesn't care because it somehow just keeps combining them together. Um, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So what did you think of the movie? It was pretty good. Um, It was pretty good. I didn't... I think it started stronger than it it ended. Okay. Um, I I really enjoyed... (laughs) 
I really well, just like you Bonnie mean, and Clyde. You mean like, you mean like it started stronger than how it eventually kind of wrapped up the movie because it ended pretty strongly. No, I think it. No, no, no. Okay, so I'll, I'll rephrase because you are correct. It did end pretty strongly. You know, with all the death and with, stuff, with all the bullets and yeah, yeah. That part, that part ended fine. Um, but I thought there it was. It wanted to be this like um, it wanted to be this piece about like the psychology and the relationship of Bonnie and Clyde, but it also wanted to be a bank robbing movie, but, but it didn't do enough of the bank robbing Mm -hmm. for like, so if I didn't know like the history of Bonnie and Clyde, or at least know that they're a big deal and robbed a lot of places. Yeah. I would think like, wow, look what, what's the big deal? (laughs) Wow. They only knocked over like three places and they seem one of them was empty and they seem pretty nice about it because they let the people keep their money. Uh, fun fact. They didn't. That part was just in the movie. That is actually a, um, a Jesse James. Is it Jesse James? No, it's a, a, it's a Dillinger thing. Isn't it? Dillinger. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Cause like one of the trivia things that I, I read on this was essentially, um, Warren Beatty went to Buck's wife, um, yep. who was played by Estella Parsons. Uncle Buck's wife? Yep. John Candy's wife. Um, went to a, who went to the person Estella Parsons plays and showed her the script to get her to um, to get her to agree to let them use her name and, okay. and her likeness or whatever. And so she read the script, and she was like, this is very accurate, um, and... And I'm good. Like, I'm good with all this. You know, you have my permission. Um, And then the script went on to be rewritten to whatever this was. Oh. But there was a lot of liberties taken to the point where she actually sued Warner Brothers at one point. Really? Mainly because of how she came off. It doesn't make her look good. No. In any way, stretch or form. So Estelle Parsons won Best Actress for this part in a supporting role. I know no. your face, no. which people can't see, says everything. One of, one of these days, we have to put in a webcam just uh, to put it on like I the will, Patreon. Or I something. will definitely, I will <laughs> definitely do that because um, that because your just face know. says every no, just no, yeah, like no, like, I don't you know. You screamed wonderfully. You are second only to Shelley Duvall in The Shining. No, on how much I wanted to I'm sorry. murder you. I'm sorry. If we're gonna give it to someone screaming, you give it to the you give it to um, the girl in The Graduate. Oh, that scream was blood curdling. Yeah, and we will talk about that probably, maybe not. Um, um but uh, yeah, no, just just no. Like even I don't I don't understand. All right, this is the second. Warren Beatty movie we've seen. Is it only the second one? Yes. There was Heaven Can Wait in this. What is the big deal with with Warren Warren Beatty? Beatty? I'm assuming it's just all Dick Tracy at this Uh, point. Dick Tracy is great, if my memory serves me correctly. So, And I don't think it was actually nominated, so we'll probably not have to go back. Um, She was nominated. Madonna Madonna was was nominated. Okay. I was going to say, but Dick Tracy did get nominated for a few things. Yeah. Um, So, uh, I mean, I don't... Like, I don't understand the big deal with Warren Beatty. I'm not saying he's bad, and there's stuff that I definitely like him in. Sure. But it seems to be later in his career than what this is. I uh, See, I thought he was more tolerable in this movie. Yes, he was more tolerable. But I just don't see, like, I just see him playing Warren Beatty. Oh, he definitely just plays Warren Beatty. I mean, there are and, different, like, little versions of right. him. But he's kind of 
like and he's almost like the pre-existing George Clooney. Yeah, I'm so handsome that I'm just going to play myself, and everyone's going to be okay with it. Yeah, and and then you have um, Faye Dunaway. I thought she was great in this movie. She's really good, but I don't buy the character. And you don't buy this real life. And when person and I know, and that's what I'm saying is when you say like you're basing this person on a real life person. Mm-hmm. If I can't say I can't envision this person doing these things, mm. that is a fault on the filmmaker. Oh sure, yeah, like I oh agree. I'm gonna steal your mom's car. Okay, let's go out on a date. Oh, yeah, just like the setup to them yeah. getting together. Which it, also didn't actually happen. No, I know. It did feel a little like we've gotta we've gotta give him a meet cute. That's not a meat cute. <laughs> I know. It wasn't cute at all. It was kind of weird. Right. And Where she's she... just like, oh, hey, I'm not wearing a shirt, and I'm going to have the window cover just yep. enough because it's the 60s. Yep. It's not the sexy Let's go 80s on a yet. date. This movie was made in the 80s. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a different movie. She's like out picking apples nudes. Yeah. And that's when she meets him, <laughs> um, if this was the 80s. But you have, um... and then they go out on their date. And he's like, I'm an ex-con. And she's like, well, I bet you won't rob a bank. <laughs> yep. And he was like, oh, well, actually, I do do that. Yeah. Do do. Uh-huh. Huh. Um, this movie also won for cinematography. To which I also say, okay, maybe it's the car chases. I think that's actually the yeah. thing that makes it win. Um, which I, I had to think about for a second because I think in the heat of the night, the Graduate had way better cinematography mm-hmm. than than Bonnie and Clyde, but I think it was the car chases that did it. Probably because those those at that the, time they were, were real time. good. They were real good. Yeah. I mean, even by today's car chase standards, oh yeah, like, those are really good. They were re- they were really they were really en- yeah. enthralling. But overall, I don't know why this I this, this movie is like propped so much i mean it was good i enjoyed it um, um this was uh this was the first not violent movie because there were violent movies before this sure we've seen a few um, of them but this was this actually holds the distinction of being the first movie to actually show the consequences of firing a gun without a cut oh uh, okay um before that it was you know Gun goes off, cut, scene. Yep, the destruction. Like this was one through shot of the gun firing and the person actually having a blood packet. Oh, right, we watched like, them writhe and writhe and writhe right. on the ground. It was, um, it was brutal. Again, by even by today's standards, yeah, pretty brutal. Like RoboCop brutal. So that I think is why, because it pushes the envelope. Mm. It it tries to propel the medium. Forward, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I would say that definitely. I, that's a definitely. That's definitely a thing that propels the medium forward. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but overall, like the the acting, the acting's good. Although even like Gene Wilder wasn't Gene Wilder yet. Like he had that, he had that very like um, um, Bloom style voice, mm-hmm. but he sure. hasn't. He hadn't learned to control it yet. Okay. Uh yes, I know what you're talking about. He he was before before he was Gene Wilder the like the person. Yeah, the producer. Yeah. I know I know what you mean. Um 
But like, so he's not he's not there yet. Gene Hackman is is good. Um, and Warren Beatty is Warren Beatty. Faye Dunaway is it does the best out of everybody in this movie. I agree. She is she's the most. I'm a real character. Even if you yeah. don't buy her, I go. Or you didn't buy her. Um, she's the most real character. However, I think my favorite part of the film was Gene Wilder because not because it was his first time or I miss seeing Gene Wilder and things or whatever, but he he at like his two scenes or whatever gave a much needed lift to the film. Yeah, it infused it with a, a kind of life, and he really. You could tell why he became a big deal after seeing yeah. this. You could see the bones of mm-hmm. Gene Wilder. I guess you can kind of see like the bones of Gene Hackman that way and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he was he was uh, he was great. Yeah, but overall, this movie this movie just didn't do anything for me collectively. I would recommend it to people if um, I would recommend it to people if they had never seen it before because it's a cultural touchstone, or Bonnie and Clyde, or at least a cultural yeah. touchstone. Uh, but beside, but 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 as a but as a film, I it's in of itself. It's it's a movie, and it was good. It's just yeah, but it's a movie. It's, it's very average. I will say this is the second time I watched it, and before I wa- before I rewatched it, I saw it on the list, and I'm like, man, I I remember not liking this movie. Mm. So this time around, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't I didn't like it. Sure. You know, it's just very, it's just very blah to me. Interesting. Uh, Noah movie is the exact opposite of blah. Doctor Doolittle, uh, directed by Richard Fleischer, uh, writer, the guy um, who did the Superman cartoons. No, that was John Fleischer, okay. David Fleischer, something like. But it wasn't. I don't think it was Richard. It was the Fleischer brothers. It could have been the Fleischer brothers. It's spelled the same way. Yeah, I can't imagine you spell Fleischer that many different ways. Written by Leslie Brukowski. Brukowski, Brukusi, Mike Wazowski, Mike Wazowski, uh, and based on the novels by Hugh Lofting, starring Rex Harrison, Samantha Egger, Anthony Newley, and Richard Attenborough. This movie, this was your favorite movie. Wasn't only it? has nine people, according to the cast listing at the end. Oh yeah. I mean, that's incorrect. Uh, there are a lot of people. Just in this that movie. one musical number in the circus has more than nine people. Yeah, and the <laughs> tribes at the end. <laughs> like, uh, it, you know, it was funny um, when he gets his first letter from, or when he gets the letter from. Can I tell the people what this movie's about before I you start talking so. about? It? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's about a doctor named Doolittle. This is about a, a doctor named. Doolittle, who is a veterinarian who has the special ability to talk to animals. Uh, However, mm-hmm. the audience never never gets to see the animals talk necessarily. Uh, and so people think that even though he's very good at his job, he is crazy because he communicates with animals in a very conversational way. Uh, and it just it, the movie is a series of episodic hijinks. Uh all kind of wrapped around this big mythical snail, and and it's also a musical. And there's a small boy living with him, and and a, and a man from Ireland that just gets picked up, and a man from Ireland because yep. this movie, this to me, this movie felt like it was trying to be Mary Poppins. We need a small boy. We need a narrator <laughs> guy with a weird accent. So when he's singing, um, 
I'm pretty sure it was during um, If I Could Walk With The Animals, Talk With The Animals. If I Could Walk With The Animals. Yeah, when he was doing his spoken word with version. The Animals. Um, there were times. It's like, called Recessative. There was times the, during the, the melody of you, that. Okay, I'll stop talking now. Yes. There were times during the melody of that that I just kept hearing Spoonful of Sugar. Oh, sure. And yep. I'm like, and I'm like, either either this is actually happening or Mary Poppins has ruined me for any 60s English musical. No, this was definitely a trying to capture the magic of Mary Poppins. I mean, it's a ser- Mary Poppins is a series of books written by a beloved author about these children and magic and all this stuff. And Dr. Doolittle is a series of books written for children. You know what I mean? It's yeah. got that like, um, oh, the Hunger Games is so important. We need to make all the teen dystopian things we possibly can. It's got that kind of thing going for it. Yeah. Um, I can see why it was nominated for Best Picture. I can I can understand because it is lavish. It hops all over the place. The sets are huge. Yeah. The animal choreography, and by that I mean the animals being on screen, um, and so a bit choreography are that would be wrangling animal wrangling. You are correct, actually. That is excellent. Um, I'm upset at myself for not <laughs> using the correct term. Um, mainly because I'm trying to wrangle an animal behind me as a you talking. are, and you're just not even no. Nope. I got him. I got him. This movie holds the distinction for having every single color ever created and three <laughs> ones never seen before <laughs> on screen. This is the most colorful film that I I can remember watching. This is the first time I've ever seen Rex Harrison happy. It's funny you say that. That is my critique of another movie coming up. So Happy Rex Harrison? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Interesting. Uh, He's not in any of the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I don't know what you're referring to exactly. Um, so, yeah, aside from it having every color and new ones created solely for this movie, um, when he so when he gets the letter from his Indian friend, Long, yep. Long Arrow, mm-hmm. and it's a pictogram. It's a scroll, and it's a pictogram. Yep. Watching. It's very historically accurate. Yeah, like, looking at him, like, explaining what each picture means. Yep. The only thing I'm thinking with the way this movie's going is, oh, for the love of Christ, I hope we don't see Long Arrow, because it's going to be the most racially insensitive thing I've ever seen since What Makes the Red Man Red from Peter Pan. Oh, you do love that song, though. <laughs> I love I love bringing up that song. Okay. I love <laughs> not letting dip- Disney forget that they did that. There's a difference. <laughs> um, uh, this film was probably the biggest WTF I in my head that I've ever had watching a movie for any of these episodes so far. We've watched a lot of movies, and I just kind of stared at my screen going... What am I watching exactly? Like, what is its purpose? There's no real narrative fun. drive. It's not really that fun. Oh, though. it is. I don't Especially, think so. Oh, come on the, the the song at the circus with Richard Attenborough, oh, with where the, he's like with the jumping around and with, dancing with the two headed llama. Yeah, the push me pull you. Yeah, and I'm like, and like that scene makes me wish there was a there was a song and dance. In Jurassic Park, yeah, right. when they first get there, it didn't take me a second to realize it was Richard Attenborough. So yeah. it was pretty fun to watch him do that because you know you think Richard Attenborough, you think uh, you think, you think Gandhi John and Jurassic Park, yeah, yeah. 
or Elizabeth, actually, because he was. Oh, also, he is an yeah. Elizabeth. Yeah. That's right. But like he's he's jumping up and down. I think of the film Gandhi. I don't know if that was made clear. Like you think he, of actual I Gandhi? Think, yeah, because he directed the film yeah, Gandhi. He did. Okay. Um, like that was probably that was probably one of my favorite performances since um, uh, since Fagin in Oliver. Oh, really? Oddly enough, another sixties movie. Yep, after this, though. This is like yeah, the... like one year before. One shush, year I know. <laughs> I know we're doing this in reverse order. <laughs> um, we're going to make sounds to fill in for thoughts that I don't well, while have. You're, while you're thinking of thoughts, like he's just dancing around. He's having so much fun. That scene alone, I'm like, yeah, look at this. Look at all the colors. Okay, that, okay. also all that's fine, but it's not... It the only real narrative thread is that he's learning to he's, love again. He's learning to <laughs> no, though yes, um, to he, screw over a circus. He's he's yeah, also that no. He's learning uh, this ancient like sea language to communicate with a giant mythical snail that may or may not exist, which it does. Spoiler: It exists. Yep. Also, Mothra. Also, a giant moth <laughs> that'll take him to the moon. Yep. Without the aid of an astronaut suit. It's funny because, like, when he was like, "I'm going to get on this giant moth and I'm going to go to the moon," and I'm like, "Couldn't you just go to NASA?" And I was like, "I don't actually know when this movie's actually supposed to take place." Ah, uh, the 1800s, I think. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, All right. I don't think he. This can is go probably to NASA. why you don't. This is probably why you don't think you need a suit or anything, huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you can just go. I'd imagine that's a part of the book. It feels too random to not be, but it fe- it's it's definitely one of those like let's take all the things from the book and put them in one movie yeah. instead of just telling one coherent movie. It's funny this to me, and I'm I'm not saying the movies are are similar in 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 story or what they're about, but in my mind, this to me is a more fun. And better version of the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. I don't know what that is. That is the Terry, the Terry Gilliam movie where Robin Williams plays like the Man on the Moon. Oh, sure. And it's just a really bad movie because all Terry Gilliam movies are bad. You shut your mouth because I'm moving on to the next film. <laughs> it was great. Do you have I, anything to say? I'm telling you, like if you haven't seen the original Doctor Doolittle, watch it. It is fun. It is. The music is not as good as I would like because Rex Harrison does very spoken wordy things. Um, recessive. It's called recessive. But it's fun. It is two and a half hours. It is. But it a does slog have a It does and have half an hours. intro and an intermission. You might as well just go to the zoo for the amount of animals that are on screen. You could just go see them at the zoo and have way more Well, you more could have went to the circus, but that's that's not a thing anymore. That's gone because of all the pain and torture. Uh, of going anyway, to the circus, it was, <laughs> it was fun. I I enjoyed it. It was it was it was great. I didn't I didn't enjoy it at all. Is that evident? I probably wouldn't watch it again. I would never but watch it was, this it was, movie again. <laughs> would never. I don't. How am I the one painted like so so sour? Because I do the pa- because this... I do the painting. <laughs> <laughs> because I control the website. That's right. I'm Bob Ross in this in this scenario. You are the canvas. Oh. Um also because at like generally speaking, I like 
or love most of these movies where I very rarely do not like one. And Dr. Doolittle is a film I do not like. Whereas you have a complaint about every movie. Uh, well, because it's not really... You can find fault in every movie. That's, except this one. This one's yeah. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie so much. I wish it was two hours. I, if I, it was two hours, I would watch this over and over again. I, I could tell you liked it because when I, I think I texted you like, what did I just watch? And you're like, oh, those are fighting words. <laughs> just, this movie was so stupid. Oh, man. And I'm all for stupid musicals. Like I, But this one just, it doesn't have a coherent thread. And I... It's dumb. This literally shows you what happens when you paint with all the colors of the wind. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I'm gonna. I'm speaking of <laughs> a Pocahontas. Yeah, painting. I can. I can tie this in. No. Oh, can you? Speaking, I want. I'm waiting for this one. Speaking now. of painting, <laughs> yep. we're gonna do. Guess who's coming to dinner? Directed by Stanley Kramer, written by William Rose, starring Spencer Tracy, Sidney Poitier, Catherine Hepburn, and Catherine Houghton. Houghton. Hofflin. Uh, Catherine Hepburn's niece. Hofton. Is it really Catherine Hepburn's niece? You're talking about the girlfriend, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's fun. Um, I'm going to, this out my tie-in before we forget about the painting. Catherine Hepburn in this film works in an art was gallery. Was a terrific dancer. She was a terrific <laughs> dancer, but also she worked in an art gallery where there are paintings there. Mm. I did okay. it. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't as tenuous as you would expect. Eh, it still felt it. All right. This is a movie about an an interracial couple, Sidney Poitier and Catherine Hofflin. Hofflin. I just want. I you can't to, read my own writing. That's why I'm I just want you confused. to give her a different pronunciation for a last name every time you Van Houten. <laughs> <laughs> the, the van is not there. Um, I don't think that's a T. I, that's the problem. It's either a T because my pen is bad, or it's an L. I, say I believe it's T. It is a T. So yeah. Hofton. Anyway. Um, this is a film about an interracial couple, Sidney Poitier and Catherine Hofflin, who had met 10 days previously in Hawaii and have decided to get engaged. And they are going home to meet her parents. Uh, and before yeah. he, before he goes, what is it? It is a T. Okay. I have a bad pen then. Um, then they are going there before he goes off to Europe uh, to work to with Geneva, the, yeah. to work with the World Health Organization because he's a fancy doctor, a doctor, a Catherine. doctor. You say he's a doctor, Catherine. Um, and uh, and so this movie is about the parents, mostly Spencer Tracy, coming to terms with this one, their daughter getting married so so quickly, but also to also to. Um, to Sidney Poitier in the 60s, mm -hmm. um, even though they were kind of taught her that it's okay that everyone's the same, and they're right. but they're having like some just some prejudice issues that they didn't even know they had because right. they're just I, products of their time. I do like that you that you use that. What I like how I like how that. I phrase it. Yes, because because I have issues with that. Okay, um, and then it's also about his parents. Also turning up for dinner, which is really the guess who's coming to dinner portion. Everybody of the title. shows up for this dinner. It's like Clue. Yeah, the but no the, one dies. A priest. Uh, oh yeah, the Monsignor. Yep. I think he's a bishop. Actually, no, he's a Monsignor. He's a Monsignor. Yep. I thought he was the bishop. Um, doesn't matter. In the long run, this movie is quite famous. Uh, yes. Now, before we get into this, um. Because I don't know how well I'm going to be able to work this in later on. Mm -hmm. My biggest 
my biggest issue, I think, with this movie sure. is it just makes me sad the entire movie because I watched Spencer Tracy and I know eventually, like, his wife and his children die and then he then he blows Become. up his house with a bunch of balloons. Oh my god, you a, thought it too and goes on a and goes on a an adventure with a boy scout and up. The, my first note <laughs> in this movie acting colon Spencer Tracy looks like Carl from Up. Yes, he does so much. Yep. Uh. I can't believe it's the glasses. It's the glasses. It's 100% it's, the glasses. It's the face. That yep. entire face. And you know what? He sound like I kind of sounds like him. I know no, it's Ed Asner. I, was, I wasn't even going to say he sounds like him. I was going to say he sounds like Burl Ives in um Cat and in Rudolph. Rudolph. Or Cat and Hunt and Roof. Well, yeah. yeah. But I mean he sounds like he sounds like the the snowman in Rudolph and I had to go back to make sure he wasn't in any of those claymation ones. Oh, you are, he's not, right? He's not cuz he actually dies 17 days after the filming of this movie. Really? He so he was died in, before this movie came out. He was in such bad um health. You could that, tell that he's not well. Well, in... yeah, here's the thing. He's been sick for a long time. Yep. Um the director and Catherine Hepburn, yep. and I believe Catherine Hepburn was his longtime lover. Um, he, uh, the director and Catherine Hepburn put their salaries for this movie in escrow um, to because the studio was worried that Spencer Tracy was not going to be able to finish this movie. Wow! Um, and actually, the uh, one of the tidbits is that whole monologue at the end mm-hmm. of him talking about love, and you know, you see Catherine Hepburn crying. It, according to her, it wasn't acting. It was her knowing, like, A, this was going to be his last film. Yep. And B, that he was uh, he was dying. Wow. Um, That's great. What did he die of? I don't know. Well, what good are you? Well, uh, start giving me your thoughts, and I Alexa, will let you know. <laughs> what did Spencer Tracy die of? And, um... Saturday, June tenth, nineteen sixty-seven. Oh, it doesn't tell me what he died. <laughs> no, he died of Saturday, June tenth, nineteen sixty-seven. He died of he died of Juneitis. Um, uh, he did die in uh, June tenth, nineteen sixty-seven. Her information is correct. <laughs> uh, heart attack following lung congestion. Lung congestion. So I'm assuming that was cancer. Okay, sure. Fluid in his lungs. That's sound, that's awful. Yeah. Um, what a guy. Uh, this, I couldn't tell, I liked this, okay, so I liked this movie. Okay. I thought it was really well acted, I thought the story was pretty succinct, it kind of lingered a little bit, I was kind of like, okay, get get, get somewhere mm-hmm. by the end, um, but um, I thought, I couldn't tell how much of a product of its time it is versus like how much you could take out. So if somebody came home if your daughter or son came home and like said that so i'm you know i'm gay and we're getting married and this is brand new information or um or i'm going to have a sex change and this Mm -hmm. is going to be my husband or my wife you know like there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of like different scenarios you that can you play could, that you, you could, could place do, they could here. replace it today well here's my thing and like i said when you were talking about how um it 
it tries to deal with it tries to deal with these two uh, liberals who raise their daughter to believe that you know blacks and whites are the same. Yep. You know that they can that they can be together and all this, and then she brings home a black guy, and they're all of a sudden like, well. Because they have this conversation very early on. The parents mm-hmm. do. Yep. Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. My whole thing was, I've, the entire movie, I didn't feel like Spencer Tracy was sitting there going, well, I, I always kind of taught her that, but now did I really believe it? I feel Spencer Tracy's biggest problem is going to be the issues that they're going to have. Well, no, well, he does, it's, but he says that multiple right. times. Right, but everyone still tries to everyone still oh, tries to play I, this movie off as something that I don't think it actually is. Okay, I understand. So, yeah, because they pretty right pretty right away after like they realize like he's actually like an up and up guy and he's like actually a really up and up guy, like he's right. he's a catch to the nth degree. Once they realize that the whole idea of the interracial couple like them being it being like a problem for them is gone. The rest of the movie is him deciding, like, if if he can approve of it because he knows or he thinks that they're going to have a very hard life. But I think at some point the movie tries to make it seem like there's more there. And I don't buy it is the problem. Hmm. Because, like, the Monsignor comes over and he's like, nah, you're stupid. It's, it, you Give him your okay. And then, like, he gets into the – then he gets into the accident – with another African American, and he's like, "Oh, this city's only like ten percent African American, and I run into two in one day." And I'm like, "That eh, seems out of place for him." You know, I agree that bit seemed out of place because even in that scene, like when he's in the car and he's like, "This is not the ice cream that I usually get, but it's good." He almost seemed too dotering, like yeah, like he like aged, that was a, like he aged very quickly. That was like, in the time he left his house. That the seemed like there was the a car. side story there that just. That they were trying to just hint at? Yeah, because up until that point, he's very with it mentally. Right. Like, he's not, like, out of touch or out of place. Like, he's he's okay. Like, he's yeah. fully there. He's still working. He's not a retired man or yeah. anything like that. And so that scene felt... It was, I enjoyed it. it was, I thought it was kind of funny. But, like, it, it almost felt like it should have been, like, ten years later. Yeah. Look at them getting ice um, cream. It's funny because, like, the two biggest issues... Like, if you wanted to take this from the point of view of, like, maybe there was some latent racism mm. in characters. Like, oh, no, everything's fine until you're kind of, like, what people make this movie out to be. Like, you say you're okay with it, then when you're faced with it, like, you have those latent racisms that you just don't think about. Mm. I believe those two, like, that, those two qualities yeah. are in The Maid, played by Isabel Sanford from The Jeffersons. Oh, my God, that was ill. That, I, that was I, Wheezy from The Jeffersons. Okay, I thought so, but I wasn't positive. Yeah. And his father. His father. Because his father oh, also Oh, you're had, talking about Sidney Poitier's yeah. father. I thought you were talking about Spencer Tracy's father. No. I was like, that man that was not in this movie. <laughs> um, so Sidney Poitier's father. Um, and because there's a real, like, one of my favorite scenes in this is Cindy Poitier talking to his father and talking and, like, they're discussing the fact that she's a white woman and he's a black man. And he's talking about how their generation is 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 okay with it 
whether or not it, that's true is, is mm-hmm. another case. But he's like, my generation's okay with this, but we can never get over, we can never get past this as a, as a, you know, we can't get past this as a human race until your generation that was very bigoted and lived in this, in this mm-hmm. kind of world, in this divided world, dies. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, I like, that is a very idealistic oh, extremely. take. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I, I see what he's saying. And as a young person or as a person who doesn't remotely think in any sort of racist way, you sit there going, well, you know what? Maybe when that old guard goes away, oh, yeah, it's it'll be better. Many but I don't think it ever— before. And I think this movie is still socially relevant because I honestly think, thinking about what he says in that, that it's not true because we see that even today. Yep. It's still like history repeats itself to those who don't learn from the past. Agreed. We haven't really gotten that far away yeah. from it. I think um, I, I think that statement that he says about like once your generation goes, yeah. you know, this will be better to, to a point. It's true because it is better to, you know, in, in some way. Yeah. Um, but at the at the same time, we know that he's an idealized person. Right. Because they met each other 10 days ago in Hawaii and now they're getting married. So yeah. obviously they both live. And I mean, and he has his doubts, but like he's a little more pragmatic, but, right. um, but they're living, they both live in this little dream world mm-hmm. and that, in that dream that they have yeah. or he, he has is. And, and I mean, fun. I had to, like the statement I get too, cause it's not just, it you know what it is? It's not like he's calling his father a racist. He's he's telling his father, "Look, I know all the problems we had in this country, mm-hmm. and we've over we've as a as a as a people we've overcome it. But all the people that were there before we were able to overcome it, there's a lot of hostility and anger, mm-hmm. and we can never fully embrace being together." While you still harbor those, I while you still harbor those yep. hatreds, mm-hmm. um, so I understand that. But like I said, like that to me is a is a much more interesting dynamic than the Spencer Tracy stuff, because to me the Spencer Tracy stuff is just a father looking at it, going, "This we're in the '60s because this movie is made in the '60s." Welcome to the 60s. we're in the '60s, and up until even as this movie's being filmed, not when this movie comes out, because the 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 loving court case is decided just before this movie comes out. But as this movie's being filmed, legally they're not allowed to be married mm. in the entire country. There's 14 or 15 states that I think still had that marriage, that kind of marriage outlawed. So he's looking at it as a father saying, this is going to be so incredibly tough on my child. Right. And that's why he has reservations. Mm-hmm. Not whether or not she should marry a black man. Because he's fine with that. Yeah. It's, I don't want to see my, like, I don't want to see the morons of this world bring my daughter down or get to my daughter. Yep. Agreed. I, I, I 100% um, agree with that but, assessment of this but film. But this movie is, this movie has acted very well. Oh, Everyone yes. is really good. The only, the, the only out of place scene is the, uh, when the guy comes to deliver the meat. 
And he's like blasting the music and like dancing. Can you give me a ride to the center? Right. Sure, baby. Like, like I think that's also just like showing like the young people like they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. Um, and as far as like you were saying, like um, you were talking about uh, smiling Rex Harrison. Mm -hmm. This is now what the third movie we've seen with Cindy Portier. Uh, depending upon if you saw it in the heat of the night first or not. Yeah. It took me three movies to find Cindy Poitier smiling. And that was in this movie. Yeah, and he like he looks like he's having fun in this movie. I agree. Um, we'll talk about when we get to the heat of the night, but I liked him better in this film than in the heat of the night. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and we'll talk about... Yeah, we will definitely talk about that because I have some issues with his character in that. Interesting. Um, I like... Going back to the film, this idea. So, like, I love the idea. It's like of dinner, right? Because <laughs> the dinner you never get to. The dinner you never get to. I love that. She's like, "Oh, when are we going to eat?" She's like, "It's been ready for three hours." I was, I was yeah. kind of disappointed because I was led to believe this movie all took place over dinner. Oh yeah, and I was like, "Oh," because like that to me, like being at a dinner where you really can't leave, leave. because because um. Uh, social dic- uh, social decorum dictates you don't leave the dinner party. That's right. Like I felt like that would have been like that story. Like that's the story I wanted, but I didn't get it. It's okay. I like this movie. Um, oddly enough, there is one slight different one uh, thing happened. Uh, this movie was still playing when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Yep. And so there's a line in the movie. Like the third time she goes to Isabella, the third time the daughter goes to Ilabella, Ilabella Sanford mm-hmm. and says, guess who's coming to dinner? And she says, let me guess, the Reverend Martin Luther King. The day he was assassinated, this movie was still in theaters, Warner Brothers called up every theater in the country and told them to cut out that line. Mm, really? Yeah. Well... Look how that turned out. Um, I was got. I'm sorry. I, I got a little distracted because you said like there's something because about Mary. Something about Mary. Yes. Good. Um, no, I was gonna say there's a film. Yeah. Uh, called the Exterminating Angel. Have you ever heard of it? No. I had to look up the name because I couldn't. I couldn't remember. It's about these. It's about these. Um, Dinner guests, okay. but they all go to a part. They all, they all. I'll read the Wikipedia art thing, so it, so I don't sum it up oddly. Um, Edmundo Nobile, Edmundo Nobile invites friends over for an opulent dinner party. While the guests enjoy their food, the servants disappear one by one. Afterward, the visitors retire. The visitors retire to the salon for the evening of music and conversation. But in the morning, they are all mysteriously incapable of leaving the room. As days go by and they run out of food and water, panic and madness set in. The army and the police arrive but fail in their attempts to enter the house as conditions inside deteriorate. How do you know of this movie? Hey, you've never heard of this movie? No. I Okay, so I know about this movie because uh because of the film Midnight in Paris. Okay. Have you ever have you ever seen Midnight in Paris? It's gonna be complicated. I I, well, you've never seen it, so I have to explain it to you now. But um, Midnight in Paris is about this guy who, at at midnight in Paris, aptly named title, gets inside a car and somehow magically travels back to the 1920s in Paris because physics. Because physics, right? And so 
in that time, mm. he meets a bunch of people that are inspirations to him. He's a writer, and he meets right. all these inspirations. He meets Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda Fitzgerald and Salvador Dali and all of these different people. And he runs into uh, he runs into Louis Buenel, I think I say his name, who was a Mexican filmmaker, and and he says to him in the film like. Hey, like, you know, ever thought about like making a movie about dinner and like the guests can't leave or he says something like that. And the, and the guy's like, well, why don't they just get up and leave? And he's like, I don't know. They just can't think about <laughs> it. Um, and that's the that's the that's that film. Mm-hmm. And so that's why that's why I know about it, because that concept, the exterminate of the exterminate angel, even in Midnight Paris, which is a totally throwaway line. Yeah. Um, just sounded so intriguing to me because to getting back to this guess who's coming to dinner there's something about the dinner table that's very it's very symbolic right the breaking bread sharing a meal with somebody's right. where like all the boundaries of life go away mm-hmm. when you're just because everybody has to eat no matter where you come from and so the idea and the dinner table is for family traditionally right you know you eat or at least especially in the 60s you eat dinner as a family and so the idea of people coming over for dinner to unite the families together to unite this divide mm-hmm. all of this like um this racial divide i liked how all of that played yeah. into the film but you're right they don't ever really make it to dinner until the end of the movie but that's because it, they weren't a family. They weren't a family the until they sat down at the table together. Uh, that's where the divide goes you and away. Your strained symbolism. It's not strained. It took you twenty minutes to get there. Well, we got distracted because you had never seen the exterminating <laughs> angel. If you had seen that movie, we wouldn't have waited. We wouldn't our, have had to wait our twenty minutes. Have seen it, and you still would have had to. Have well, now it. you all get to go and watch another <laughs> movie. There, you're welcome. You're welcome, everyone. You know you want to watch it. Uh, is it is it English or is it English subtitles? Uh, good question. Yeah, see? Actually, good question. You know, for this movie you're trying to get me to see, you know very little about it. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. <laughs> Technically, it's a comedy. So that Look, makes you feel I'm just going to watch Gosford Park instead. Okay, you do that. <laughs> Actually, it's not dissimilar. There's a new movie out that has a similar concept, like people at the dinner table. Salma Hayek's in it, but I can't remember what it's called. Doesn't matter. Is it Frida? It's not Frida. No, I don't think that's. A, I don't think that counts as a new movie anymore. Guess who's coming to dinner? One, two Oscars. Everything. Do you know what the, they are? Uh Catherine Hepburn. Yep, Catherine Hepburn won Best Actress and Best Director. Nope, no. uh, original screenplay. Okay. Um, I. Oh, that's right. Okay. I, I agree with both of them, though. I think Catherine Hepburn. We've now watched her in two films for I like her this, in this thing. Movie. I think. I think she. She kind of earns the the award more in this movie because it's subtle. She earns it, I think, for when she when she first learns of her daughter being engaged to Sidney Poitier. Yeah, and like the way you can see her process her emotions so subtly, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all of it together. Like what is happening? I have to be a I have to be a mother, and so this is how I have to process this. Like you can see it all. In there, and it, yeah. it's really, really good. I, it's pretty close to towards the beginning of the film too. Yeah, and I watched that, and it's like, oh, yep, mm-hmm, that's where you won right there. Yeah. yeah, and it was all gold from there. Let's talk about the Graduate, directed by Mike Nichols, written by Calder Willingham, 
and Buck Henry, uh, based on a novel by Charles Webb, starring mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman, Anne Bancroft, Catherine Ross, and William Daniels, otherwise known as Mr. Mr. Feedy. 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 <laughs> Sit down, John. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. I didn't remember that he was in this movie. And so I was <laughs> so as I was writing this down, I was like, <gasps> William Daniels. You have the bluest <laughs> eyes of anyone in these in these movie lineup. So I you have wa- Paul I, Newman eyes. Yeah, I watched this movie um uh, starting at like eleven or quarter past eleven last night. I did too. So you were watching it as I was watching. No, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. We've been watching it at the same time because I sent you a text right around eleven thirty. It was like Mr. Feeney. He was literally like, on my. I, he was literally on my screen. It was the birthday party scene. <laughs> like when you. So I was like, I must have been like twenty minutes ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> like ah, you're watching The Graduate, and I'm like, I love the fact that we can just send random texts about these movies now. Yeah, actually, when you had texted me about In the Heat of the Night, I hadn't even gotten to that film yet, but I knew from the context. Oh, what that, was that text? Because you said something like, "If one more person in this town gets arrested, everyone's a murderer," <laughs> or something like that. And because that was his thing. He was like, he was like. Oh, you look suspicious. Arrest on murder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then, I'll, oh, by the way, we can't arrest you on murder. Please sign this form. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Let's yeah. talk about The Graduate first. Okay, if we must. <laughs> this film is one that I knew you wouldn't like. Okay. I swear to God. It's about a guy who just graduates, going through an existential crisis, uh, f- like family friend uh, who's and 16, 16 years older than him, 16, 17 years older than him, uh, played by Anne Bancroft. Uh, puts the moves on moves on him. Even if you've never seen the film, I'm sure you have seen at least the bit of Mrs. Robinson. You're trying to seduce me, um, and and yeah. So that and then it's him uh, then, having an affair, uh, having an affair, and but then, then falling then in also love with her daughter, falling in love with the daughter because he's basically forced to go on a date with her, and then he makes her go to a strip club. <laughs> and because he wants, because he wants to pay, like listen to what Mrs. Robinson has to say and not date his daughter, but then he's like, "Oh my god, I actually like her, and now I feel bad." So let's get married. I wanted to like this movie. I did. Yeah. I wanted to like this because because Mike like, Nichols even, is a, Mike Nichols is a great director. Even though I didn't like Bonnie and Clyde um, that much, I thought it was just okay. Like every movie in this year, I was like, oh, "This is this is a good movie." Like this is this is going to be a tough year to figure out what I actually like the most. And then I watched Bonnie and Clyde, and then I watched The Graduate, and I was like, "Well, three out of the five were really good." <laughs> um, but I swear to God, and all that is holy, I will quit this show if one of your tidbits is this movie was nominated for best soundtrack because it only had two songs. I'm sorry, three songs yeah. uh-huh. that they replayed 30 times a piece in the movie. Okay. I know what you're talking about. So the music is done is very famously done by Simon and Garfunkel for this film. The, this music was written for the film, right? It's not, but all it is, is okay. the sound of silence. Yep. And they play that like four times. They play it three times. Once in the complete, once, once in the beginning, once in the middle, and once at the end. Then they play "Are You Going to Scarsboro Fair?" Also called Scar, just, just called Scarsboro Fair. Fourteen times in a row. It's played once. No, no, I, no. It there's is not. there's instrumental. 
no. versions of it, but the actual just Scarborough Fair twice is, at least is played together in conjunction with something like happening in the middle or whatever. But like twice. it's technically once through. No, twice because I hear that. Are you going to Scarborough Fair? Twice, right? And then, then Mrs. Robinson. Would you please, Mrs. Robinson? Which I like that song, but like I liked all those songs until I watched this movie, and then they just kept showing up, and I'm like, stop! For the love of God, stop! So, fun fact: this movie didn't win for best music. Uh, No, it shouldn't. It wasn't even nominated. Thank God, because I checked. Okay, I I wasn't going to make that declaration that I was going to quit the show without checking first. Um, (laughs) I. So, so I'm two of minds about this. We can talk about the music first, I guess. Um, I love Simon and Garfunkel. They are one of my favorite like m- music groups of all time. I love Simon and Garfunkel. These songs, apart from Mrs. Robinson, do not fit this film. They do not actually like what they wrote about and what those songs mean in a larger cultural scale. Right? Don't really have anything to do with but, like they do and they don't. But you know what? What the artist means when they're writing it and what people can take out of it are usually two different things. That is correct. So, like, you can, you, because, like, they play Sound of Silence when he's really going through his, like, his silent era. Right. His, it's his existential thinking. And you could say that at least then Sound of Silence fits. Definitely. But it plays during the beginning credits, which it doesn't fit. You're right. Um, Well, I guess it kind of fits then because he's, that's starting his crisis. Yeah. You know, so, but it, what it doesn't really fit at the end. Yeah. And then at no time is he going to Scarsborough fair. Although I guess maybe it does because, or we'll talk about the end, but, um, you know, he's not going to the fair. No, he's no. not. He's not trying to get partially saved Rosemary or time. I, th- that song was an interesting choice because like without the words, it like it melodically fits the, the mood right. of, of the film. But the lyrics don't really play into it, even if you're looking for symbolism. Yeah, and it like, like the the like I guess you could argue that like the searching journey portion well, she, of Scars was a Fair. true love of mine. Yeah, I guess, but it's like it's almost like it's a, a stretch. It's a stretch. Um, and then Mrs. Robinson fits. It's great because it's yeah. Mrs. Robinson, right? Um. So that being that aside. This movie just kind of. I think the first. Can I can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. I think the first third of this movie is yeah. strong, and I don't think the other two thirds live up to the rest of the film. And I'm because because maybe William this, the, Daniels isn't in the other two thirds. One that is true, <laughs> except for that one scene where he's like, "I'm getting married." <laughs> I was like, "I'm getting married," and they're like, "Yay!" And Does he's she like, know? No, she. I don't even think she wants to. And they're like, "Do you see a flaw with this plan?" <laughs> I like how he even <laughs> says that. He's like. This doesn't sound like a like a, a fully this, baked plan. Yeah, he's like, no, it's completely baked. I'm like, no, it's really it's not. It's really not. Oh, is, does it bother you that Dustin Hoffman's supposed to be twenty to tw- uh, and then twenty one in this film, and he looks like he's forty? He always looks like he's. 40. I know, but he looks like he's forty. Like I have a hard time buying him as a twenty year old, even though I know he's twenty. Yeah. But Anne Bancroft also looks older than thirty six, which is what she was at the time. She oh. was thirty six at the time. She of this was thirty six in this film. Man, right? She does not look thirty six. She does not. She looks great. Like She's Mel, be- beautiful. Uh, woman. Mel Brooks wore her out. Why? Well, possibly. You know. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, 
she died in 2005 she died yeah, yeah 2005 um yeah she was 70 she was 73 this is all so, top of my head by the way as job. you notice thank you you actually have it written on your hand i can see i it. have nothing written <laughs> on my hand except call mom i should really call mom um so actually i don't have that written on my hand um go ahead say words so like this movie has some good comedic scenes. Sure. Um, it's definitely a dramedy. Yeah. And overall, I think it just misses the mark. Um, although I really like Norman Fell. Sure. Mr. Roper. Do you like it when he got up again, though? Huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, Mr. Roper from Three's Company yep. also plays a... Uh, Three's Company. Also two. plays a... Um, Landlord. Landlord in yeah. this movie. I don't like you. Get out. <laughs> I want you to get out. Why? I don't like you. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this this film, I think I know why you didn't like it. It feels like an off, I mean, it is an offbeat, independent film. Don't do it, Kat. Um, it, is an, it is an offbeat, independent film. Yeah. It has that... Um, like Juno quality to it. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, you know, he's going through an existential crisis. Not everything is full. Not everything is fully baked. Like all the ideas. And then it ends kind of on a melancholy note where you're not really sure if it's happy or not. No, it's not. And like, they're on a bus like driving minutes, to nowhere. Two minutes later, as the credits roll, they're like, you know what? We don't belong together. Totally. Like they're on, like their like, facial expression at the end is like ah we we're together. Oh. Like the ex, which is kind of where the sound of silence still fits in because he then you could argue is still going through this darkness, this yeah. this crisis, and and so it kind of fits. But but the the mood leading up to there doesn't fit that so it kind of slaps you in the face with it yeah and so it leaves you feeling kind of uneasy and i think the biggest like even if i liked this movie that ending would have would have upset me because it's like i spent an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes it's actually movie was was it's a pretty breezy film uh i spent an hour and 40 minutes watching this guy pine after this girl which one the the daughter okay uh and he finally gets her and then they get onto the bus, and then he's like, "Don't know if I want her anymore." Yep. And I'm like, "I, you know, I figured just... you'd sympathize." Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I dislike that quality in other people. <laughs> in myself, it's fine. <laughs> Maybe is it one of those things where you recognize yourself a little too much? And no. You're like you know, like when you meet somebody, like, oh, you'll love them. They love the same things as you, and you meet them, and you're just, and they're like. They're so similar to you. You're like, I don't like you. I mean, to be fair, I don't like people to begin with. So. I know. I know. That's why but, you call people by the wrong name, just to let them know you don't like him. Re- just to let I them really know. I really do, too. Actually, <laughs> hearing you say that, I, I really do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. I've seen you do it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually did it yesterday oh my god <laughs> I, I i i was texting somebody and i was like so how is so-and-so or you know they were like oh so-and-so is is doing this and i'm like i have no idea who that is and then they referred to them as the thing i referred to them as mm-hmm. and i'm like ah i was like just so we're clear i'm never i'm never learning that person's name no no well sometimes i mean this is not for you necessarily but sometimes 
it just go, you just go a little too long without knowing somebody's name, and it's weird to ask. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other situation. Yeah, going, that's, that's why that's why I never refer to your name on the on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. My name is what? Tolkien. Yeah, very good. <laughs> yes, that's my that's my kitty's name. <laughs> He's currently sticking um, his nails so, into my yeah. Leg. This I didn't I didn't like this movie. Yeah, I didn't think that you would. I did enjoy this movie, but not as much as I on rewatch as much as I wanted to. I saw it when I was a little kid, so I'm sure I didn't I didn't remember most of it or get it or understand it. Yeah. yeah. Um also this movie's rated PG and has nakedness in it. That's because this is before the I know. rating system. I know, but still in the heat of the night it had the same problem and I was like, man, how did people not get a rating in between PG and R sooner? Jaws is PG. I know, it has the same problem. Naked people and death. Yeah. <laughs> Those are R-rated things. Or PG-13. Is Titanic R or PG-13? PG-13. Uh, ah. PG-13. Right. Because it really people. just has that one nudity scene. That one scene. Right. Yeah. Where David Warner takes off all his clothes and streaks across the boat. <laughs> yeah. 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 What a weird scene that was. You can look. You can listen to our Titanic episode to learn more about that. Where, where we talk about that ad nauseum. Wouldn't that be terrible if someone else was like, "Oh, a Titanic episode"? I will listen to about that scene. Yeah, and they go and it's not there because we it's just not made there. It up I'm right sorry, now. it's actually in the director's cut of it. Oh yeah, only we watched that one. Yeah. Um. So I thought, I thought it had the the graduate had that real because it had that real offbeat like cant to it. I guess like. The camera didn't. The camera was doing interesting things. Um, the you know they weren't afraid to have shots linger in particular places, and you know it kind of let you sit with his awkwardness and his uncomfortability. Like yeah. all, I enjoyed all of that. But I don't think, I think the movie could have gotten a lot of legs out of just the affair with Mrs. Robinson, and not had this like two thirds of the movie devoted to. Him dating chasing and chasing the daughter. I think that I think it's I think that part becomes I don't know. I didn't I didn't care for I didn't care for that bit as much. Um particularly the way that the way Mrs. Robinson um reacts to everything. Like she be- literally becomes a crazy person. Yeah, like she like he te- like she well Hopefully you don't. Your book I hope anymore. I don't need my notebook anymore yeah. because the cat has decided to play with it. <laughs> um, so like she pretty much threatens because she's like, "Look, I don't want you dating my daughter," and he's mm-hmm. like, "Ah, no, we're gonna date." And then she's like, "Well, if you continue to date my daughter, I'm gonna tell her what happened." Mm-hmm. So he runs in and he tells her what happened. So she hears it from him, and she tells him to get out, and she doesn't want to see him again. And then. Time a little bit of time passes. She goes off to college, passes by, and he goes to stalk her at college because he doesn't go to college. He goes to stalk her. Yep. Um, at Berkeley. Yep. And then she comes over one day, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Well, I like you, but my mom said you raped her." And I'm like, "And I'm like, wait a second. If your mom said that, why isn't your first call at that point to the police?" Agreed. And like, apparently, to go to apparently she also tells the husband that. Yep. And no one calls the police on this guy. Not only that, not only that. Yeah. But that's the story that her daughter, Miss Robinson, um, 
gets and she's like i'll just go to his apartment by myself yeah. and i'm yep. like what are you crazy yeah like if you believe this story to be true right which i guess you really don't because you're willing to show up at his apartment right. like alone like what do you, i do like that somebody like when she screamed and literally the whole the building whole came to building, help. yeah that was i i did enjoy that because good for that because building. that scream is blood curdling i have never i have i that that scream sent more of a shock through me yeah. than like any scream in any horror movie that I've ever seen. Yeah. Like it was unbelievable. Yeah. And then so like he tells her what actually happened. And he's he's very truthful about it. Yeah. And she essentially forgives him and they kiss. So what does he do is just after they finish kissing, will you marry me? And then she shakes her head no. And he's like, how about tomorrow? And she's like, ah, maybe. I'm like, this this movie just doesn't, like, the characters don't make sense to me. And that's what I dislike about it. I think the movie, I think it's either not, it's not enough of a drama or it's not funny enough. And that's the thing is like the com like there's some good comedy gold. There's some real, there's some real gold in there. And if this goes, if this goes all the way, this movie is much better for me. Yep. Um, if this just goes straight comedy, this movie is probably well. We know Mike Nichols is capable of of bigger comedy than this because I mean, like the Birdcage is oh, that's right, like, did the Birdcage, right, yeah. which is one of the best comedies ever made, yeah, bar none. It is hysterical, and um, and and so like you know he's he's extremely capable of such comedy, but I mean that was you know. Practically thirty years later, yeah. so you know he certainly had a few movies under his belt. But since then, then also he did Closer, which was more of a drama. Which, which was, was more, more of a drama. drama. This movie's very dramatic. Um, that was so, his last film, wasn't it? Uh no, he did something not too long ago before uh, he died. Oh, okay. Um, so I think this movie had to pick a lane, and even if it picked, Who, who's a lane? <laughs> <laughs> this movie had to pick a lane, and then if it Fine, don't and then if question. it picked drama. It mm-hmm. chose the wrong lane. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. That's why I'm saying, like, that's why I knew you wouldn't like it because it has that, like, indie, like, yeah. it's not going to be just a comedy thing in your face. And I wasn't expecting that. When I go see an indie movie or something, like, I expect that. And so I'm, like, I'm mentally prepared for it. In this movie, I was, I don't know what I was prepared for. And it, it wasn't the last two thirds of this movie, which I I did enjoy. Like I I, had a ten, I gave this movie like a, a nine, like an eight and a half, a nine out of ten. Really? Be- because I all the part I like all of the parts. I just don't like them all together. Yeah. Um. And that's but this movie won best director, and so arguably, and it's the only thing it won. So arguably, my like. I guess like synthesis of everything makes sense because it's all the parts right. together, which is the director's job. Take all these moving parts and put them together into something cohesive, which it is. It's a very cohesive movie, mm-hmm. um, but it it is it just can't decide exactly what it wants to be. And part of that might be because we're coming to it with preconceived notions all these years later, right? You know, it's like almost judging like it'd be like judging Psycho. On its own, like merits compared to like all of the other horror movies you've seen over the years, like yeah. By comparison, it's very tame. Yeah. Um. But at the time, you know, pew 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 pew. pew. Exactly. I don't know what that last sound meant, except that we're going to move on in for. Yeah. There's so many words. 
can't. We're going to move on to in, in to, the heat of the night. In the heat of the night. In the heat of the night. Directed by Norman Jewish son. In the heat of the night has a writer Sterling Elephant based on the novel by John Bell. You're losing it. I know. Starring Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger in the heat of the night. Rod Steiger, famous for his uh, portrayal of this character. His portrayal in another movie, who I'm actually thinking now it's it's Donald Pleasant. So Halloween. Continue. I was going to say Halloween, but. That's definitely not. That's that's Pleasant. That's Donald Pleasant's, yeah. So keep going, and I'm going to find out what Rob Steiger was actually in after the fact. Also starring Warren Oates and Lee Grant. Music by Quincy Jones. Warren Oates of Holland Oates? Yep. You nailed it. Um, Quincy Jones fame of Austin Powers. It's Quincy Jones! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was my first introduction to Quincy Jones. Not knowing who he was. was oh, like, that right, guy yeah, he looks did the, cool. He did the music. It's a great theme. Yep. Um, so this is a movie about a... This is a movie about um, Sidney Poitier who plays a cop... And uh, and he is just traveling through a southern town, and he basically gets pulled into the he gets pulled into the police station because there's been a murder, and so obviously this man waiting for the train who is black did it, and so and then they discover that he is actually a police officer, and once they get in, and City Point gets in touch with his captain, and he's like, oh, clearly they need help, so you need to stay and help them, yeah. um, because the you're way, the because was- you're the greatest. Homicide detective in the world has ever known. Yeah, in Phil in the greater Philadelphia area where you are from, and he makes one hundred and sixty one dollars a week, which boils down, which basically one hundred and sixty two dollars, one hundred sixty two dollars and thirty seven cents or something a week. Which I did the math, um, and by I did the math, Google did the math, and (laughs) and by um, Google I mean Alexa, and no, it was it was Google. (laughs) I did it at work. Um, There was. A there's a um with with inflation he makes a little over eleven hundred dollars a week. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But they're all like, "Woo, look at you!" Yeah, which I mean, obviously now you know why. And by the way, Rob Steiger, I was thinking of Mars Attacks. Rob Steiger from Mars. Oh, he's the he's yeah. general who's yeah. firing the gun. Yeah. Oh yes. Yep. That's great. Um, so that's what this movie is about. And so, well, that's what the plot of this movie is. The movie's really about people being arrested falsely. Also, that, um, I was going to say it's about Rod, um, it's, it's about, um, it's about Rod Steiger, like, becoming not racist, I guess. It's, it's about him realizing yeah. that. That everybody else in the town is racist? Everybody, yeah, that one, everybody in the town is racist and how wrong it is and that that Sidney Poitier is an excellent cop. All right. And that it could make an excellent TV show one day, which it did. Yeah. And it's funny because um, Carol O'Connor mm-hmm. takes the role of from Rob Steiger, from Rob Rod Steiger. Yeah. And they look a lot alike. A bit of it. Like, like him in this movie and and O'Connor mm-hmm. in, in the heat of the night. Um, Ooh. That being said... I really like Steiger's performance. Well, he won Best Actor for yeah, this. Yeah, and he should have. Yeah, I agree. Um, as much as I like Spencer so... Tracy and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, 
his performance is is the more nuanced. I, it's so like his transformation from the beginning of the film to the end of the mm-hmm. film is so subtle and and so smooth yeah. over the course of the film that you almost forget what he was like at the exactly, beginning. Exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, like at the beginning he's like imprison him because he's a black killer. And then he went on to just imprisoning white people for wrongly killing people. Yep. And then he decided... He is the to, worst cop in the he world. He is the worst cop. Yeah. Like... That murder definitely would not have been solved without Sidney <laughs> Poitier. There's no <laughs> Like, question. we found a pack of gum on him. How did you get a pack of gum? You must be the killer. In jail. Yep. Let's please sign this form. Chief, we have to stop. <laughs> you have to stop that. We don't have... We don't have We've run out paper. of forms. We've run out of forms. And, and, the, and the machine isn't working. <laughs> Um, um, so I, I really like Rod Steiger in this. Uh, so, okay. Again, this is the third, depending upon what order you see these, mm-hmm. this is the third, um, City Portier movie we're talking about. Yep. He's good in all of them. I have. He's w- good in all of them. Yes. He's good. Whether or not the writing is, is another thing. Hmm. My issue is fastly becoming look and i understand it's the time frame and i understand it's the movies he chose to work on but every single one of his movies i agree i know is, is the same theme yep and i'm not saying that this is an important topic it is and i i think it's just because of just the rate of how they're showing up in our cycle yep. that they're coming back to back as much um one of the things I felt was wrong in this movie that seemed to be very pasted on is like this movie also tries to give him some some racism. Yes. And it feels it feels forced. Like it felt like he needed to have a flaw. Well, I don't disagree that he needed to have a flaw because otherwise he is literally like super cop who can do anything and is all powerful and and is so right but at the same time like it would be one thing if they were like if they believed him most of the time but they weren't Uh, so you didn't really need to have that flaw um and then like the end kind of just like hey i realized that i was being stuck on this old white guy just because he had black servants Mm -hmm. but it was really this thing over here that comes out of nowhere like and sure. I, I don't like when that happens in movies where it's like the actual killer or the actual culprit is like all the deduction is done like off screen. Yep. Um, Some of it's done off screen. Not all of it though. Yeah. You know, um, you're right. So, some of it is a, some of it is a little. So I'm oh, sorry to, to before you keep going. Yeah. So the all these movies were made you know in sixteen six early sixty seven to come out right, you know right, right. so. 67 is arguably Sidney Poitier's greatest year. He did three films. Yep. So guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? In the heat of the night. night. And To Sir With Love. To Sir mm-hmm. With Love. Is that the, Those are the three films he made mm. in that, or that came out that year. I have never seen To Sir With Love. You'd really like it. I'm pretty sure I was forced to watch it in school at one point. But you might I don't have been. It. It. Be kind to your teachers. Watch yeah. this movie. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's. I mean, it's. If you've seen a "Be Kind to Your Teachers" movie, right? You've well, seen, seen most of them. I've seen the better version of that. It was called Glee. No, you shush. 
you shush. He did not deserve that song at that point in the show. Yes, he did. It was the first season. <laughs> he did not deserve that he song. He got them all together. Yeah. And, and he didn't go anywhere. And really, it was mostly Leia Michelle still trying to bet him. Yeah, that was weird. That was, that was such a weird uh, side story. That that, that was season. weird. I real I did like where she showed up at his house, uh, and and he was like, "I have to bring you home. Sit in the back seat." And so <laughs> and so he's just like, and "I don't have a back seat." So, so uncomfortably driving his car, all yeah. crunching. She's like, "Why don't you sit in the back? You stay back there." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is terrible. That was pretty funny. So uh, one of my first things in uh, in the heat of the night notes is um, so when the cop comes up to the body. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my God, there's blood. Blood, mother, the blood. And I'm like, Steve Gutenberg hasn't seen blood before, and he's a cop? Because yeah. he kind of looked like Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> well, you know, the stonemasons made him a star. Um, we do. Also, can we, we can we for a second talk about how odd it is that apparently the mayor's office is in a garage? Yes, it's weird. Moving on. You have your one second. <laughs> Um, it's it's a very small, like no bit town. Like yeah, it's it's it, like three blocks by three blocks. The the sheriff doesn't even know when the trains run. He's like, I was waiting for the ten forty five train. There is no train at. He 10 doesn't 45. say that. He says he says I was waiting on the ten forty five, and then he says something else. He's like, There's a ten forty five train. He's like, Says you, and then the train goes yeah. in the background. And he, and he goes, Well, you're right. And he's like, All right, so you're right. That, yeah. to me, was just like, I'm pushing you to see if you crack under this. Yeah. He missed his midnight train to Georgia. Oh, he missed the midnight train. He wasn't going to Georgia. I'm just making a musical reference to 30 Rock. <laughs> Why won't you let me do that? Because nobody's ever seen 30 Rock. You are so incorrect. I won't I say that you're incorrect far enough that it didn't have as many viewers as it should have. Yeah. That is true. But people have definitely seen it. I also found, like, so we're talking about multiple people being arrested wrongly. Yes. The, the second person they try and arrest for the crime yeah. um, is a, a, I don't know what he is exactly, but he's old Harv. Everyone knows him. The entire town knows him. Oh, apparently, yeah, old Harv. Apparently, also, the entire town knows he's left-handed. Yeah, you don't know all the left-handed people <laughs> in your hometown? Obviously. It's a really small town. I just, I just like it. Like, Sidney Poitier's, like... Is he left-handed or right-handed? He's left-handed. Everyone knows Old Harv is left-handed. It's a really small <laughs> town. Little town. It's a quiet village where we lock up random people for murder. <laughs> I thought you were going to sing about left-handed, right-handedness. Like, nope. Put your hand <laughs> on this piece of paper and write your name, please. Sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, the the scenes with Steiger and Cindy Poitier going back and forth are are really good. Yep, um, I really like that scene where the the mob um, chase Cindy Poitier to the yep. warehouse, basically. And and Cindy Poitier does his best. Dave Chappelle, I'm on the east bank. I'm, I'm on, on the, the west, west bank. bank. I'm on the left side. side. I'm on the right. Side. Like he jumps over that thing for no reason, like five times. I thought it, with that with that. Um, metal bar he was holding. I thought he was doing his best Donatello. <laughs> that was that was like. Um, but I like how Rod Steiger um, halted that situation. Like he was very calm, very orderly. You know, I and he even let it sit within him for a second before he's like, 
that was really his turning point. That mm-hmm. was like his, yep, okay, this is who I am now. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was great. Um, yeah. I would I, I would definitely recommend this movie. Yeah, um, I don't think it's hard enough in one area or the other. You know what I mean? Like it's not. It's it needs to be a little bit more of a mystery. Okay. Um, and this, yeah, this kind of gets bogged down with its overarching like everyone's racist. Yep. Like you're racist, I'm racist, they're racist. Everyone in this town is racist. I agree. Even Cindy Poitier has some racism to him. That to me felt just a tad over the top. It. it I almost like, there's got to be somebody in this town. I almost didn't care that somebody was murdered and that we had to solve the mystery. Yeah. That was like it was so inconsequential almost. Yeah. And I really wanted that to be not necessarily the forefront, but I like when movie I like when the symbolism of films is behind the plot mm-hmm. where instead of driving the film because then it feels too heavy handed. Right. Uh and so it really this film really wanted us to know what it was about. Yeah. Also there's a, a murder. And it was funny because like there were times where there were times where, like, Cindy Poitier would talk. Like, so he's in the jail with, um... Dinah? He's in the jail Someone's with somebody. in the jail with Dinah. And, like, Someone's while they're in the, the jail, jail together... We said jail at the same time. Yeah. While that they're in the jail great. together, the, he, like, they're kind of fine together. Yep. And then when Cindy Poitier gets out and then he tries to help him, he's like, I don't need no help from you, black man. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm like, come on. You know, one, one person in this town. You know what's interesting is that... This is the in the last film, um, in that he was in the graduate uh, in guess who's coming to dinner. <laughs> he's accused by Wheezy, um, yeah. of being like too big for his britches. You know, like yeah. Oh, you think you're so fancy coming here and being engaged to a white girl and like all this different stuff. Yeah, and he's not. He's like he's totally the most mellow, nice, yeah. like everyone's equal, I'm not bigger than anybody kind of guy, even though he is, and he would almost have a right to be. Yeah. And in this movie, he is that. You know what I mean? He is that way. So there are very different characters. Yeah. And even he, like, he doesn't want to stay there, to, and he doesn't want to help them. Like, no, like, he's that's forced just a bad to help. Cop. He's forced to help yeah. them. Like, well, I understand. I understand you don't really want to be in this situation, but I think any cop worth his salt is like, all right, I'll try and help him out. I guess. But, I mean, this is also, you have to understand, like, the uncomfortability of his situation. Oh, and I, and I completely understand, but I think... But he is the law. In Exactly. In my mind, like, when you become a cop, like, that's stuff you have to put aside. Sure. I'll um, think about that when I become a cop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think you should be a cop, and whenever... Whenever people ask who you are, you should say they call me Mr. Tibbs. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. So they call me. So like, what do they call? Which you? is also the sequel to this movie. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah. I never, for once, I never realized until I saw this film that this is where that movie where that's where, line comes from. Where the, one, yeah, the, I didn't know where that line comes from, but I didn't realize that 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 the Lion King spoofed it, like. Who are they? You talking to me? Oh, are you yeah, talking yeah. to me? They call me Mr. Mr. Pig. I you didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, so I was so happy. And and the Lion King is essentially Hamlet. Yes, that thank you. Okay. 
did you did you know that the wizard <laughs> Yen Sid in Fantasia is just Disney backwards? <gasps> the two facts about Disney that everyone knows and no one is shocked to Dr. hear. Dr. Alucard is actually Dr. Dracula. <laughs> what a country. <laughs> Inflammable means flammable. <laughs> What a country. They call me Mr. Tibbs. That was great. No, um, I actually want to see that sequel now. Um, they, they call me Mr. Actually, Tibbs. Yeah, there's a sequel Is it called, with Sidney Poitier? Uh, I believe so. Cool. And it's called They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. Look, I don't know why. Three but. movies in, I'll watch. Uh, three. It, it's almost that line that's like, this is Sparta or something, you know, like. I actually had that written down in my notes because the name of the town is Sparta. Right. It'd be like, racism? This is Sparta. Of course there's racism. Racism. <laughs> Also, apparently this is in Missouri. What? Yeah, this movie is in Missouri because they actually talk about it at some point that this is not Texas. Huh. Because I thought it was. Yep. <laughs> well, that's fun. Anyway, because there was a Texas license plate at one point. Doesn't matter. I'm done now. Um, so all that being said, the this movie won for Best Picture, obviously. Yeah. Actor for Steiger. Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Sound. And Best Editing. I'll give it sound. I I I give editing to I'd give editing to Bonnie and Clyde for mm, the car yeah. chases. Yeah, yeah, that one doesn't see this doesn't editing doesn't seem right here. Mm-hmm. But all that being said, let's open up the envelope. The Oscar goes to Doctor Doctor Acula. I wanted to say Doctor Doolittle, but no. Um, I, I give it to in the heat of the night. I give it to guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah, that's uh, Doctor Doctor Doolittle in the heat of the night. Um, guess who's coming to dinner? I love all three for different reasons. Yep. Um, and while I really like Happy Go Lucky Cindy Poitier, yeah, because I don't think it's a thing he does a lot of. No, and apparently. it was delightful. He was so um, happy. I just I really like Steiger's performance in in the heat of the night, and I think it just kind of. Because I like all three, mm. and I like kind of all three evenly for different reasons. Sure, it, I it propels it. I me. almost gave it to the graduate because just of, because you hate me. Yes, also because of the because of out of all of these films, yep. that one has the longest lasting impact on the culture. I think you know, like, but 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 I took but I didn't give it to it because it's not really the whole film. That has it. It's just the Mrs. Robinson. Are you trying to seduce me? Like, and because most of the time it's done wrong in pop culture. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, that I also agree with that. Yeah. So there's a misconception about what this. Whereas film is. you could make the case because you're all like, we should give it to any movie in pop culture. You should give it to In the Heat of the Night because of they call me Mr. Tibbs. But guess who's coming to dinner is also kind of in the zeitgeist. Not in the same. Not in the same way, but. But I, it's also, but I think it's also, but I also look for cultural relevancy. Don't forget that. And I think, I think that, guess who's coming to dinner has a bit more cultural relevancy even now than in the heat of the night does. It's possible. It's possible. It's not too too far off. But yeah. Um. But yeah. I. I I liked all these films except for Doctor Doolittle. <sighs> I don't know why you dislike. I know I just you dislike like... joy, Tim. Sometimes it's funny because sometimes I just dislike things that I like. You would assume that I would like, just so you can be contrarian. No, that's, that's your goal. job. That's right. literally your Stop job. Stop trying to take my. Stop job. Stop handing out business cards that say <laughs> that. 
you should hand out things that are contrary and like pieces of wood or it, <laughs> it's sewn into it's here's so, my business card or, and hit him with a two by four yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like i made i made a two i made i made a little a rectangle on your face yeah yeah um, stamp their foreheads like dr doolittle was so good i i wanted to give it to dr doolittle i did i just couldn't i just couldn't do it there's I no reason for that movie to win best picture even oh, if no, you there like is, it cuz that movie is great um Nope, I think cultural relevancy and and lasting impact on the culture is the thing that wins out when when going backwards. And they all, for different reasons, have some kind of lasting impact. But mm-hmm. I think the culture, um, the the relevancy of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner outweighs the cultural impact of the Graduate, mostly because the like people misunderstand the Graduate. I think um, mm. there's a misreading. There's a misreading of that film. Um, although it does have Simon and Garfunkel music, which definitely has a lasting it impact on the culture. It just has three Simon and Garfunkel songs. But they're three of the most famous. and over. But they're three of the most famous Simon and Garfunkel songs. And over again. And we are over again. They are playing us our music. No. Oh, wait, no, actually, no, wait, they're not. because They're not because you remembered you had to plug everything else? Yeah, damn right. <laughs> so you can find us on all places that podcasts can be found. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can head over to ThoughtBubbleAudio.com and check out all of our other ThoughtBubble Audio shows. You can also head over to Patreon.com slash slash ThoughtBubbleAudio. Uh, slash slash? Slash one slash um, thought bubble audio and and check out all the patreon goodies over there you can also find us on gmail and twitter at academy rewind and you can find me on twitter personally at timothy pg thir- <laughs> at, at timothy pg 13 because my middle name is pg p and my last name <laughs> starts with a g because my middle name is it's pg p. Whew, yep my parents love movies. Okay. <laughs> now that music playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Too bad. Bye. Bye. Bye.